Okay, so when I first started writing this message, um, I was looking at the story of Gideon and I thought to myself, I'm going to pull out 50 keys to spiritual warfare out of the story of Gideon and it will just be marvellous and wonderful. And as I began to study, I didn't get past number one. So this message tonight is all about one thing and I won't tell you what it is, but I'll lead you into it. We're going to have a look at Judges 6 verses 1 to 6. Has everyone got their Bible? This is what we do in church. The Word of God changes your life. As I've been preparing this this week, it's really actually changed me quite a lot. So I'm in the same boat as you. So Judges 6 verse 1 to 6 in the NIV says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hand of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And then we're just going to quickly skip to verse 11, where it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know, it's a bad day when you have to reduce your life down to accommodate the movements of the enemy. Israel were the people of God and God had taken them out of Egypt. He had delivered them with the leadership of Moses and then he'd taken them through 40 years in the wilderness and he had delivered them time after time and then he'd even delivered them into the promised land under Joshua. But here they are, the delivered, set free people of God hiding in caves, down in pits, hiding in the clefts of the rock, making their life in a hidden place because of something that they did, not something God did. See, God had already delivered them. He'd already put them in the promised land. He'd already given them victory over all of their enemies and yet they ended up here in a pit, in a cave, treading grain in a wine press, hiding, afraid. God's people, the ones he loved, the ones he delivered from their enemies, walked straight back into the hands of of the enemy. Why had the people of God become so undone? Why, how did they get so stuck? How did they end up in a pit when God had given them the promised land? That's some good preaching alliteration for you right there. They ended up in a pit when God had given them the promised land. Let's look at verses 7 to 10 because it tells us how they got there. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, so their God, says, 
I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Oh, is that not a big I told you so from the Lord? Has anyone ever had an I told you so from the Lord? He's very gracious and very merciful, but he's always right. And we can't get away from that fact. They ended up hiding and impoverished because they worshipped the idols of the land that they inhabited. What's this got to do with us? Is not idol worship only an Old Testament problem? Isn't it something that the people of God only dealt with back then? Isn't it, isn't it like not relevant to us today? I mean, I don't have idols in my house. I don't worship idols. I don't have like little New Zealand ticky things up on my... <laughs> the, only t- the only reference I had for an idol was the Brady Bunch episode where the Brady Bunch went to Hawaii, who remembers it, and they picked up the tiki and all these terrible things happened to them. Just me and hearts, we're of the same generation. Excellent. I'll just preach to you tonight, I think. <laughs> so so why, why does it relate to the average Christian in church today? I'm not an idol worshipper. It's not what Christians do. It's something that the world does, right? But the Israelites were doing it, and guess what? They were the people of God. The Israelites were worshipping the idols of the land they inhabited, and they were the people of God. So this is a message for us, the church, to have a little look and go, am I worshipping the idols of the land I am inhabiting? And, And the small way to say that is, have I fallen in love with what the world has fallen in love with? Oh, that's really challenging. <laughs> because when you really let the Holy Spirit put his finger on that, I tell you what, he does it because he wants to set you free, right? But when he puts his finger on it, whoa, that's an amazing moment. And I had a moment like that last week when I was sitting at my desk in the office and I said, Holy Spirit, as I was putting this together, please reveal to me the idols of my heart. Oh, what a prayer to pray, hey? <laughs> And six of them came straight out onto the paper, the idols of my heart. And I knew them, but I didn't really know how to articulate what they were. And in his kindness, the Holy Spirit revealed that to me so that I could repent and go, do you know what? That, that's what I've been doing. I have let my life revolve around some things, not all the time, in some seasons, you know, I've let, and do you know, here's the thing, with Israel, you go through the whole Old Testament, they had seasons of favour and freedom when they were worshipping God, and then they had seasons where they turned their back on him and began to worship the gods of the world they inhabited, and everything would start to go downhill. We go through seasons, right? But I realised that I'd had a season in my life, quite a long one, where my life had revolved around something that wasn't God. And it wasn't a great feeling to look back at my life. And, you know, I'm saying all this under the large umbrella of 
God is gracious and merciful and he can turn everything around, okay? So don't let me take you down a dark hole here tonight. That's not what we're here to do. But we're here to bring the reality of the word of God. If you revolve around things that are not God, you will lose out. The Israelites, from the moment they turned their back on God and began to revolve around the things of the world they inhabited, they began to lose out. They lost three things. They lost time. It took seven years for them to cry out to God. Seven years. Seven years of being pummeled by the enemy. I mean, the descriptions there, they literally ravished the land. They took everything. So seven years, so time. It takes time. The enemy can take your time. He can take your identity and he can steal your purpose. Oh, man. So idols, we'll get to that later, but idols are not always physical things. You have to understand. They're not like something that you carve out like they did in the Old Testament and you stand it on a stand and you bow down to it every day. The idols that we revolve around sometimes in our life are simply images that we project, because the word idol actually means image. It's an image that we project and that we make all the other areas of our life revolve around that image. And then we forget that it's actually God who wants that for us. And in chasing it, we miss it completely and end up losing time and identity and purpose. So... Let's have a look at an example of that for a moment. If I'm a person, not a guy or a girl, just a person who puts up an image of financial prosperity, and hear me out, there is a difference between a desire, a good desire, and an idol. Some, t- some of these desires God's put in you, and they are good desires, and they are God desires. And as we revolve around him, he helps us to get us, helps us to get to that place. But, if I put up an image of financial prosperity, I then make all the other areas of my world bow down to that image. For instance, I allow my time with my family to bow down to financial prosperity. I allow uh, my, perhaps my health to bow down to financial prosperity. Maybe not straight away, but over time. Maybe I'll even allow at some point my integrity to bow its knee to the idol of financial prosperity. Unbelievable. So, so, what do we do with this information? It's An idol is something other than the Lord that your life revolves around. You know, the world looks to various things for security. Finances is one of them. It looks to various things for fulfillment. But do we do it too? Do sometimes we do it too? Idolatry is revealed in the pursuits of our life. And sometimes other people can't see the pursuits of our heart. We might look like we're pursuing the right things, but on the inside be pursuing something completely different. I'll always say, use this as an example, that we can come to church and still not be following Jesus. It's very easy to walk into a building and sing and pray and walk out and have a couple of chats and a coffee. It's not so easy to make your life revolve around the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But I'm going to give you some keys to try and help you to do that. So it seems to be part of the human condition, right? It's just part of the human condition that we worship things that are created 
rather than the creator himself. And see, the, the beautiful thing about God is this, that he commands us to worship him alone. It's the first commandment. You will worship no other gods before me. So it's a command. However, it stops. The line here is your will. He will never force you to worship him. He commands it and he deserves it and he's worthy of it. But he will never force it. Why is that? Because in a relationship, there has to be two-way choice. If Mick and Rhonda went to get married and Mick said, you will marry me, Rhonda, which is I'm sure what happened. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> I mean, in terms of I'd be scared. To say <laughs> Sorry, that sounded worse out than in. <laughs> so what I'm saying is it's a two-way relationship, right? Rhonda has to agree to be in that relationship. It cannot be a forced relationship. If it's forced, it's a dictatorship and not a relationship. And so, you know, we always ask the question, why did God put that blasted tree in the garden? Why did he put that tree there when he knew that man would choose that tree? Well, he was giving us a choice because he never ever wanted there not to be a choice in our relationship with him. It has to be a choice. And do you know what? No matter how long you've been worshipping other things or letting your life revolve around other things, today, tonight, today, tonight, a current affair, <laughs> today, tonight, you can make a choice for God and you will watch some things happen that are incredible. You know, my dad, um, Simon, who many of you do know because he used to be part of le leadership in this church, there was a Christian football match one day back in probably the 90s and, and you know, Saundy would have been there, of course. And Dad was there and they all got these guys together and they made the two teams and Dad was out to impress that day. He must have put on all his gear and just been out to impress. Unfortunately, he didn't take the information in that he needed at the beginning of the game and he proceeded to score a try on the wrong try line. <laughs> and he celebrated that try like it was the right try line. But in fact, he was giving his points to the opposition. That's what I feel like about idol worship. We, we think we're scoring, but actually we're giving our points to the opposition. And you can thank my... Silly dad for that excellent <laughs> illustration. <laughs> so I feel like tonight, coach, being God, coach, our God wants to sit down and have a bit of a half-time chat with us and, and maybe adjust the goalposts a little bit and, and go, you know what, you, you might even think you've been worshipping God. You might even think you've been doing all right, but maybe there's some idols in your heart that you didn't know about. Maybe... You've been going through life going, I'm a bit, I feel a bit lost. I'm not sure who I am. I'm not sure what my purpose is. And I just seem to be walking through this existence a little bit. I'm floating. I, I don't know if anybody's ever felt that. I'm just sort of floating. I'm not attached to anything. I'm like out on a limb. I don't know where I'm going. 
that happens because you lose connection with the person that knows who you are, that calls you who you are, and that can tell you where you're going. So all you need to do is reconnect tonight. That's all you need to do. All right, so... Um, so time, time is one of the things that the enemy steals from us, time. Yeah, when you start to believe that you're making no progress, you know, when you revolve your life around idols, the thing about idols is, A, they're not alive, B, they can't speak to you, C, they can't listen, and D, they're going nowhere because they're not alive. They're not, a, they're not a living thing. God is living. Idols are dead. So if you're revolve, your life is revolving around an idol, guess what? You're stuck because that idol's going nowhere. It's literally going, no, it's, it's stagnant. It stays in the same place. So you're revolving around this idol like this. No progress. But guess what? God wants to take you somewhere. And so if you're revolving around him, he's going to take you where you need to go. And Gideon got stuck in a rut, revolving around this wine press, round and around and around because he was hiding from the enemy, because he forgot who he was. And the angel of the Lord came to him and he said, Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. And he said, actually, no. He said, in fact, he said, pardon me, my Lord. He must have been English. <laughs> pardon me, my Lord. Actually, I'm not a warrior. I'm the least in my family, and my family's the least in my clan. But here's the thing. God knew what he had created. And because Gideon had lost sight of God, he had lost sight of who he was and where he was going. And so God came and he called him out of the wine press and onto the battlefield. Because guess what? A warrior's supposed to fight, right? A warrior's supposed to be on the battlefield, not grinding in a wine press, hiding from the enemy. But only God could call that out. An idol can't call out your purpose. An idol can't call out your identity. It can only lead you to dead ends. Dead ends in life. All right. So we need to get rid of our idols, right? You convinced yet? <laughs> All right. So he wants to take you from the caves and the cliffs, the pits and the wine presses you've been hiding in, and out into your purpose. Maybe you're a warrior here tonight, but your life has been reduced to a wine press. And maybe tonight is the night to let go of some of those idols in your life that have kept you bound up. And, you know, as I said before, God is so beautifully gentle. When he showed me these six idols in my life, I felt all of his love come with it that make sense like I didn't feel like oh my goodness I've ruined everything because that's not what the Holy Spirit does he doesn't bring that to you he brings you a sense of conviction yeah but it's such it comes with so much love you almost don't even recognize that it's conviction it's like he overwhelms us with this feeling of and I said God you know I've this this sin is not against anyone else this is against you because you've asked me to worship you. You've asked me to lay down idols and put you at the centre of my life. And I got all caught up in all these other idols. It's amazing. And they could look like good things. This is the deception. 
they can look really good. They can look really good to everybody else. Maybe it's ministry. Maybe ministry. Like, where do we go from ministry being something that we desire to do to it becoming an idol? It's when everything else has to bow down to that thing, right? So maybe it's marriage. Maybe maybe you've had this image. You know, an idol's an image. You've had this image of the perfect marriage ahead of you. And maybe you're single now and you're looking ahead at this perfect image going, that's what I'm heading for. And everything else in my life's going to bow down to that because I'm going, baby. You can't stop me. I'm going to get that thing. (laughs) Do you know what? That's a really good desire. But when it becomes an idol, you're going to lose time. You're going to lose identity. You're going to lose purpose. And you'll look back and go, do you know what? God was always going to get me there anyway. I didn't have to worry. I mean, I married the most amazing man in the world. If I had known who I was going to marry, I wouldn't have worried about it for 20 years. Would I? (laughs) Actually, maybe I would have. (laughs) Considering, no. No, but you don't have to worry. Worship God and God alone. Don't bow down to the idols of the world you inhabit. So, God's not here to rebuke us, but he's a good father and he wants us to be free. In 1 John 5, 21, it says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. That's the voice of a father. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. So how do I do that? How do I keep myself from idols? Well, it's in the original blueprint. It's right there in the word of God. You just have to look for it. It says, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship, worship the gods of the Amorites. Do not worship. Worship's the key. You are around idols all the time living in the world, but you don't have to worship them. So how do I keep myself from idols? I have to keep worshiping God. How does that work? Okay, there's three things that worship does, I believe. And at the end, I want to have a little bit of a time where we can reconnect with God in worship because there's something that happens when we worship. Um, it causes us to remember who, who God is. Have you ever spent a long time away from God in a season of your life and one day you stick on some worship music and it's like, oh, have you ever? <laughs> is it just me? Because we remember, oh, this is home. This is God. This is Dad. This is my this is my father. This is where I'm supposed to be. Don't know where I've been, but this is where I was supposed to be. So it causes us to remember him because we so easily forget. It also causes us to return to him. Why? Because our hearts wander away. Our hearts are pulled away so easily. So in worship, when we're worshiping, it causes us to return to the person that we are worshipping and it causes us to reconnect to him because we're so easily disconnected. Our hearts naturally drag us away if we don't keep our hearts intentionally in God. John Calvin said, our hearts are an idol factory. <laughs> like if, if there's not one before you, you'll invent one. 
And that's what it means. You carve out images for yourself, it says in the Old Testament. You actually make them up. It's like an image. That, that's going to bring me fulfillment. That's going to bring me joy. That's my aim in life. So worship takes us out of that zone and back to the person we're supposed to be looking at. Worship is key. So when we worship, we, when we don't worship, rather, when we worship the gods of this world, we forget God, we wander away from him and we disconnect from him. Gideon didn't know he was a warrior because he hadn't bothered to return and reconnect to the one who created him that way in the first place. So you might feel a bit lost about who you are tonight. You might feel a bit lost about where you're at. I feel like God just wants you to reconnect with him and remember that this is how life works best. You know, life works with God at the centre. It was designed that way by the great designer himself. Just like car works, cars work with fuel, we work with God at the centre. C.S. Lewis said cannot, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it's not there. There's no such thing. Why do we settle for the dregs when the fullness of God is made available to us? Another great quote from C.S. Lewis, aim at heaven and get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. Amazing, eh? Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. Can we just stand to our feet tonight? What I feel like it's time for tonight is, number one, I think we need to identify some of our idols and you need to be okay with the Holy Spirit doing that in you because it's, as I said, he does it with love and mercy. But secondly, once you are made aware of those idols, you know, we don't use this word a lot, but we have, actually have to repent. We have to repent from following false gods and worshipping false idols. I'm telling you, repentance is the greatest key to freedom. Forgiveness is as well, actually, hearts. You talked about that before. Forgiveness and repentance, the two doors to freedom in our life. You may not have repented for a really long time because you might have forgotten what repentance is. (laughs) Um, You might have thought maybe you repent once in your life and that's it. And um, God saved you. But I'm telling you, our hearts run away from God all the time. We have to continually drag them back into his presence (laughs) and repent for turning away and for worshipping other gods. But you know, God will never force us. He's just inviting us. So why don't you close your eyes here tonight and just lift your hands. And I'm going to give the Holy Spirit a couple of minutes. Well, I'm not giving him permission. He's the Holy Spirit. But I'm gonna, I want to give him a couple of minutes to speak to your heart about maybe there's just one thing. And maybe you can go home tonight or this week and and ask the Holy Spirit, you know, is there anything else? But I want us to be open to hearing from Him tonight because God wants to take you into a place of purpose. And some of you have been stuck. Some of you are hiding in a pit, treading out grain when you're supposed to be on a battlefield. I really feel that here tonight, that some of you have been treading out grain and you're supposed to be on a battlefield. And in fact, what you've been doing is a good thing. It's like 
from, from other people's perspectives, it's like, yeah, wow, they're doing a good thing. But you're not called to tread out grain. You're called to the battlefield. Some people are called to tread out grain and that's good. And they'll find purpose and fulfilment and joy in that. But some of you have been doing that because you're hiding. And God's calling you out tonight. He's saying, hey, Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. You're not a wine tre- grain treader in a wine press. It's not who you are. It's not who I made you. But because you've taken your eyes off worshipping me alone, you've lost your sense of identity. You've lost your purpose. But it's time to get it back tonight. Amen. So Holy Spirit, won't you come and speak to our hearts tonight and just reveal to us, reveal to us the things that are on the thrones of our heart. Reveal to us the things that we are revolving around. Maybe it's because we're fearful that we're revolving around that thing. Maybe it's because we've listened to lies that we're revolving around that thing. the enemy would love nothing more than to distract you from that one thing in your life because if he can disconnect you from God he'll disconnect you from your purpose so tonight we come back to you God we return and God we repent which means we we make a change God we turn around in our heart and we say God we're sorry for letting something else be the centre of our heart or other other things. Maybe there's many. We're sorry, God, and and we want to turn around, God. Help us to worship you here tonight. Help us to reconnect with you. Help us to remember.